Good morning. I was uh, seriously tempted when Pastor Ronnie let me know I was going to be teaching this morning to call Will and pass the buck and go, I really feel led to have a really long worship service this morning. (laughs) 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 Yes, I am. God is good, is he not? What is this? There's like real paper and stuff. It's like not an app that I can turn off and forget about. It's kind of crazy. Um, I just want to offer you a PSA, a pulpit service announcement today. In the coming year, just to dovetail off of what Pastor Kevin shared last week, I would encourage you to, this is going to sound extreme and going to sound a little bit crazy. If you can get your hands on a, a new Bible, get you one. Doesn't have to be fancy, but it needs to be a translation that you're not used to. Try a new one. I've got a Bible that is pretty much all pink, green, yellow, and blue throughout all of the pages. So I've highlighted pretty much the whole thing. So I got a naked one. I got one that I can mess up because sometimes when you're reading through and you're like, oh, that's highlight. I've obviously already know that part. And, uh, and you just skip through it and... Um, I think sometimes we become too familiar to the point that we don't pay attention. This is a New American Standard. I've lived with the NIV. I've lived with the Message Bible. And the Lord knows I lived with the only version, King James, for most of my life. So, so after I had you know, known the King James, the Lord released me into a little bit of the NIV. And now we're moving on to a few other things. It's good to hear different translations and perspective and uh Allow God to reawaken your love and your hunger for the Word. Amen? So get yourself one of these. And if you can't get yourself one of these, let me know, and we'll figure out a way to get you one, okay? And so let's get into this Word this morning and find out what God has for us. Do you all know that it is 2020? Welcome to 2020. (laughs) Sorry, I just wanted to do that. Um, I'm so excited about what God has for you in this coming year. He has a plan for you in this year, and it's not about resolutions, it's about revolution. He's getting ready to change your life and transform your walk if you will allow him to do that. So let's get into the Word and see where this begins. Okay. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. I love the message Bible right here. It says immediately they dropped their nets and followed him. And then this second part has given me great comfort and great consternation. So for God's gift and his call are irrevocable. Father, I thank you so much for your persistence I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for the way that you love us. I thank you for the way that you constantly teach us. And Father, I thank you that today you are calling us. And so, Father, give us ears that hear and hearts that understand and feet that are quick to obey you, Lord. I ask, Father, that you give me wisdom. Teach us all today, Father. We want to learn. Pray that everything that is of me would be forgotten and everything that's from you would stand and produce fruit in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This, okay, you might not have picked up on this when you came into a big blank white wall out there. 
There was supposed to be a sign there. We're talking, we're beginning this year talking about the call. The call. What it is, what it looks like, what it means in your life. And so since there's so, let's, let's twist this, let's go. And because there's so many various calls, I decided to leave the wall open to your interpretation. <laughs> or perhaps FedEx didn't come when they said they were going to. I'll let you decide. But we are going to get into the, to the Word and find out what God t- says about the call. There's something so ominous about the call. I really want to echo right there. The call, the call, the call, the call, the call. Because when Pastor Ronnie put this out there, and the very first one was talking about what is the call, in my, in my spirit, I went straight back to the Pentecostal Deliverance Church of God in Oliver Springs, Tennessee, and came face to face with Gertrude Moore, who said that I had it. You got the call. When you're five, you don't want to hear that. Like, I don't think so. But see, there's something about my sisters and I, we were always my father's worship team. And when I say that, it was because nobody else could sing and nobody else played the piano. And so every Sunday we got stuck in the front. And and as a preacher's kid, you kind of understand that. And well, there was four girls and a piano. And then there was Cindy's tambourine. But then that led to the tambourine incident that we don't want to talk about as a family anymore. That and a clog flying across the congregation can totally change your relationship with the congregation. It was like, we'd like to see the trio, not the quartet anymore. Poor little Cindy, we always made her sing bass, and she was the smallest of us, so... I just went straight back there. Sorry about that. But here's the thing. Sometimes when you're in front and sometimes you're forced into the front, people assume you have a calling on your life. But what it is is you have some talent. And sometimes we mistake talent for calling and we can get people and churches in a whole lot of trouble when that happens. Because you put somebody in front that's got some talent but not a whole lot of calling or any calling, Man, is it dangerous. So it's so important that we understand. Now, also as a kid, I only thought there were five callings. Seriously, I thought you either had to be an apostle, a prophet, an evangelist, a teacher, or a pastor. I didn't want any of those. Wasn't interested in it. So I couldn't have had the call, the the call, the call. I'll do the call and you all do the echo, okay? The call. Oh, that's good. (laughs) I love it. Um, I couldn't have had it because I didn't fit into any of these categories. So obviously, Gertrude Moore did not hear from Jesus. uh, But I've forgiven her for that. So the call is important. The call is important. And even as a child, I knew that it was a, um, a holy thing. I knew that it was something that only God could do. I knew that it was something that only God... Could, could impart to us, and I, I didn't have a lot of understanding of it, but I did have a lot of fear of being called of the Lord. But I want you to understand something. You have all been called of God. You have all, you all have a call on your life. One of my favorite worship pastors ever used to sing this song that said, you've been called, called of God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, because you are and you have been. 
Uh, so I want to talk to you today a little bit about the call on your life, the call, what it is, what it looks like, what it might be, and how it might manifest in your own life. I know how it's manifested in mine. Um, when I was about 12 years old, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you just a little thing just to give you a little bit of understanding that just because someone says you're something or just because you think you might be something doesn't mean that you are. We had a pastor or an evangelist come to our church when I was about uh, 11, 12 years old, and he was speaking to the youth, and, and he was prophesying over the youth and, and sharing some things. And there was a period of time that he said, I want you all to get by yourself and I want you to seek the Lord and I want you to ask the Lord to give you some insight and some wisdom about what he has for your future. Which, and that's a good thing if you have understanding of the word and can line up those things with the word of God. But so we all just got in our own little sections and we began to pray. You know, I was praying and these were praying and these were praying and and he said, then he, when he drew us back together, he's like, well, what did the Lord show you? What did the Lord show you? And I remember he went to Ricky Doopy first, and Ricky was like an amazing musician. And he said, I believe I've been called to be a worship leader. And I'm like, well, duh. And, uh, <laughs> and then there were others that had gifts. And I was like, well, I really believe I'm called into missions. And not one of them said, I'm supposed to be a dog groomer. Not one of them had anything that was outside of the church and and... Um, he said, okay, Barbie, what did you see? And I said, well, I saw a pulpit on a platform. And then he said, well, I said, I'm obviously supposed to marry a pastor. <laughs> and I spent the next nine years of my life looking for one. <laughs> and then I met Hal. <sighs> now, let me explain that just a minute, because... Because I thought that vision or that picture that I had, I thought it meant that I was supposed to marry a pastor. I started looking for a boyfriend who I thought would never be one. Oh, wait, that sounds bad about you, honey. I didn't mean it that way. But, but and now look what God did. It's like totally in ministry. I'm saying that to say you can have a misunderstanding and you can carry that misunderstanding for quite a while until you allow the Lord to clarify what your calling is in your life. Uh, and God is the only one who can clarify it. And it. He will use your mom and your dad and your pastor who totally messed my life up. Yeah. <laughs> Never sit across from him when, and, and when he's in the mood to prophesy and he goes, you are a teacher. And I'm like, Oh, my goodness. But the, but the Lord will use people to awaken things in you, but it's things that you know are there. It's things that the Lord has placed in you. The Word tells us that a call, the calling of God is a holy thing. It tells us it's something that we are supposed to live lives worthy of. Whatever it is God has called you to do, um, you're supposed to live your life in such a way that it glorifies God and honors God in what you do, whatever it might be. Now, I can look out here and I can pick out so many gifts. I look at James and Dana Jensen and I'm like, oh, my Lord, are they not called to youth? I mean, they are just like amazing with the kids. I look at uh, Paula and Mike Parker who are just gifted at a plethora of things, but their calling is helping young artists and writers uh, complete the call in their life. They're encouragers. I can look at all of that, but see, the, the thing that has to happen is God has to solidify it in you. 
He has to settle it in you. And so what the Lord did with me, one time when I was just really seeking him, I'm like, Lord, I know what everybody said that I am. I know what everybody thinks I can do or whatever this is, but God, I need to know you and I need to know your calling on my life, what it is. And he took me to this passage of scripture, this passage of scripture where he was walking down uh, and he was getting ready to call the disciples. And I'm like, Lord, I don't even fish. And uh, <laughs> Sometimes you got to wait for the clarity to come. <laughs> um, and I thought, Lord, just, just show me what happened here because according to this passage, Jesus is walking, he's getting ready, he's 30 years getting ready to go in, into his ministry like all out. And I'm so visual. I, I always just say, Lord, show this to me. And so here he is, he's walking by the sea, he's walking by the lake. And here are these two fishermen, Simon, Peter, and Andrew. I used to think that was three people, but now I know it's just Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Anyway, and he does it so simply and profoundly. Don't you know that the call of Christ is both simple and profound at the same time? And the thing that amazed me at this point when the Lord was showing me this, I thought, you know what? There wasn't a band to work me into a good mood so that I could receive Christ. There wasn't like a move of the Spirit in the place that caused me to go forward. He walks and he says, come follow me. Come and follow me. And I'm like, Lord, how could... These are fishermen. That means their fathers were probably fishermen and their fathers before them were fishermen. It was their livelihood. It was what they did. It said they were fishermen. That's how they identified. It's what they were. And he comes and he says, come follow me. And then this is what I see. This is what I see in my spirit. I see him. I see all of heaven watching Jesus. I see all of heaven just watching him as he's getting ready to call the first ones, to call the first ones. He's getting ready to call the first two disciples. And I can just see heaven kind of leaning in to watch what's getting ready to happen. And he says, come and follow me. They lean a little deeper. And Simon Peter and Andrew, it says, immediately they dropped their nets. Oh my goodness, that does something to me. I can just hear that in my spirit. I can hear the dropping of nets as they move to, to walk in obedience behind him. And I believe when those nets dropped, I believe there was just this upward, this, this, yes, yes. And there are two. There are two. It was the beginning of those who would follow him, those who would be called his disciples as they dropped their nets. Everything that they knew, everything that they had prepared their whole lives for, they let it go in order to follow him. That calling is a diute calling. That is a calling, it says, that is corporate and it's plural and it's universal. That diute calling, you each have that in your life. The calling to drop your nets and to follow him. That is your first calling. That is your first calling. It's only after receiving that calling, after answering that call to follow him, that you can then begin to walk in those things fully that he's called you to walk in and designed you from birth to be. What happens is that um, if Simon, Peter, and Andrew were with us today, living in this society with the mindset that we have, and he said, come follow me, they'd say, oh, Jesus, come get in the boat with us. Go with us where we're going. We want you to be a part of our life. 
No nets dropped. No plan changed. Nothing altered other than the invitation for Christ to be a part of what you're doing in the earth. But see, they didn't do that. And because of that, they will forever be known as the first followers of Christ, the first disciples of Christ. But see, there's this thing that happens in between that original calling of Christ where, see, there are two callings, I believe. I believe there's the calling out of and then the calling into. Come out of that land and go to a land that I will show you. There's something that God does that delivers us from yesterday, that takes away those nets, that takes away those things that held us. And, and a lot of people are super satisfied in their spiritual walk at that point. It's like, yes, I'm not going to hell anymore. I found that to be a relief in uh, that coming out of that old lifestyle that wears you out and exhausts you and causes you to be all of the things that you knew you were never supposed to be. It drains you, it depletes you, it lessens you, it causes you to live your life at a lower level. And then God calls you out. Then you stop. And you never go to this next calling that we see Peter undergo here in just a little bit. And, and, because you refuse to go to that next section, that next level with him to allow him to take you into something, you can become stagnant in your walk and you become bored with what you're doing and, and you're not growing and you're not maturing and you're not, I'm not saying that to you. I'm, I, this is to me too, because I did this, man. I'm going to tell you about that in a little bit, and, but hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll tell you more about that. But you get stuck and you become dissatisfied because you're saved but you're not fulfilling the call of God on your life. And whatever that calling may be, you may be a teacher. And oh man, what a calling. What an amazing selfless calling it is to be a teacher. You might be a plumber. You might be a dog groomer. You might be a physician. Whatever it is, highest calling, moms and dads. Oh my goodness. Do it well, man, because if you don't, you're going to pay for it later. They become teenagers, <laughs> and you're like, oh, I should have taught them that when they were two. The calling on your life, and, and, and honestly, for me, it came in seasons, and it came in waves. There was a season in my life where my highest calling was to be a mom, and my, my, my calling was to be there for them and to do the things that they needed in that time. And once that season was over, the Lord released me in other things. It doesn't, but if you do it well, hopefully, you can take those lessons that you learned in that season into the next calling, right? Anyway, so I was kind of at that place in my life. I was kind of at that place in my life in 1987. Hal and I had been married for about four years, uh, four and a half years, and uh, I had Aaron. Aaron was three and a half, and I was pregnant with Matthew. And Hal was working all the time. My sister lived about a block away from me, and my mom lived about a 20-minute drive from me. And I had friends, but I was absolutely the loneliest and most miserable I think I had ever been. I was so dissatisfied. I was so unhappy. I just, I felt like I was treading water and I just wasn't getting where I needed to be with the Lord. I was apathetic. I was just, I was just weary. And then I was standing one day, I was standing in the hallway of the Oak Ridge Church of God and it was on a Sunday morning and 
I was just standing in the back by myself and I said, God, there has got to be more. There has got to be more to life than this. There has got to be more to a relationship with you than this. I'm like, God, I am just, I just began to pour out my heart to him and to tell him all of the things that I couldn't tell anybody else. And I'm like, God, I'm just so tired. You have either got to, to be who you are and say you are, or God, I can't do this. And, and I know I was having a pity party of some sort, but oh my goodness. He met me in that hallway. He met me in that hallway. And I encountered God in a way. I encountered the, I had heard about the love of God. I could quote scriptures on the love of God. But to encounter the love of God in that way, it, I cannot, I can't explain it to you. It was as if this ocean entered that hallway and just hit me. And in the middle of that ocean, there was this understanding and this awareness and this knowledge that he knew me, that he had seen every single thing that I had done. And he still loved me like crazy. I mean, he just, the love of God hit me and I hit my knees in that hallway. And I just sobbed at his goodness. I have never, I I can't forget it. I have never encountered a love like that. I have never known anything like that. But the thing about it was, is when it hit me, I knew that that love that I was experiencing in that moment, that overwhelming wave after wave after wave, it wasn't just for me. It was you and you and you and you, the love of God for his people, the love of God for humanity just overwhelmed me. And I thought, that, that, I can follow that. That's what I want. That's, what, that's where I want to live. That's what I want to be a part of. Some, somebody that loves like that and forgives like that and continues to draw. And can I tell you, that's what he has for you. His love for you is the most overwhelming thing. Just the most overwhelming thing. I would love to tell you that after that point, man, my calling was solidified and and I was on my way to God. I was pursuing him. I was pursuing him like crazy to the the point that I was making people nuts. I would be like, "Um, I want to watch you pray. (laughs) People don't respond real well to that. (laughs) I'd be like, can I just come? I just want to watch you pray. No pressure there. Dear, dear Lord Jesus, would you feel pressured if somebody wanted to watch you pray? What about, and I would go, I just want to sit by you and watch you read the word. I want to see what you do. <laughs> now that I look back on it, it seemed crazy. But I thought, I found people that I respected in the Lord. I said, I want to see how you do this. I want to see how you follow him. I want to see how you do this. And I did, man. I stalked them. <laughs> Before Facebook, you, can, you could have stalked. I just did it in real time. But I'm like, I want to see how you do this thing successfully because there were people who were walking with him in a way that I wanted to walk with him. I wanted that kind of relationship and I would pray and I would seek him and he would direct me and I, would, I was gleaning, man. And then, there, like I said, I, I would love to tell you that I didn't mess up after that. I have not sinned since 1987. <laughs> I just sinned. <laughs> I lied. Um, But man, my worst falls have come since I knew him. 
because the fall that I had before him didn't really count. It's the ones that after, afterwards that just convict you and break your heart. When you fall, when you know him and you've experienced the love of Christ and you fall, it's devastating. It's devastating because you feel like you let everybody around you down and you feel like you, you've let him down and you're not who you thought you were and all of this stuff. But you know what? God in that love is so forgiving and so full of grace. And that brings us to the second calling. I didn't lose my salvation when I fell. I lost my relationship when I fell. And that, that was the most precious thing. because, And it wasn't that God cut me off. It was because I felt so much shame in trying to approach Him after I had blown it. God doesn't cut us off like that as long as our hearts are going toward Him. And, and so I was crying out to Him one day, and I'm like, Lord, I have so messed up here. I just... God, I just, I want that return to relationship with you. And he took me to another passage of scripture, the passage that where he's talking when the, the disciples are out on the lake, they're out on the, the water and they're crossing over and they look and they see who they believe is Jesus coming toward them in the distance. And, and uh, Peter says, if it's, if it's you, Lord, bid me come to you. And we know how that goes. Jesus says, come, come to me. And Peter steps out of the boat, and as long as his eyes are on the Lord, he's good, all's good, he's on his way. He's doing something miraculous. And then he takes his eyes off of the Lord, and he begins to look at the storm that's around him, the things that are going, how many times have our circumstances taken our eyes off the Lord? And those are the moments where we begin to sink. We begin to fall, and that's exactly what had happened to me in my life. I had begun, I had stopped in my devotions I had become lazy in reading the Word. I had become dismissive of the gathering together of the saints, the assembling together, the strength that the Lord had surrounded me with. I was avoiding, and so I began to fall. What was beautiful about this to me was when the first time that Jesus called Peter and he said, come, it was a diute call, and it was a universal call. It's the same call we have all received. And there's something about the imagery when he says, come and follow me. When we follow someone, we're behind them normally, right? We're following in their footsteps. We're following in what they do. That's the diute call and the following of Christ. The second time that Jesus called Peter, when he said, come to me, the word used there is erkomai. Erkomai is individual and it's very personal. It's very personal. It's, it's for one person. And he says erkomai, and it means step forward and be established. Find your place of influence. That's what the words erkomai mean. And this time when he says, come to me, he doesn't say, come follow me. He is speaking to him. It's the same context as when the, the scripture says, Moses spoke with God as a man to his friend, face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And this time when he called Peter out of the boat and said, erkomai, come to me, he spoke to him as a man would speak to his friend. And he says, step out and be established Find your place of influence. It's a completely different step in your calling. That is the stepping into part of your calling, to step out of those things, to be called out of those things that God has called each and every one of us out of some stuff. 
And now it's time in Peter's life and it's time in our lives to allow him to speak those words in our life that says, Erkomai, come step forward now and be established. One of the things the word says about your calling is that it can be made sure that it can develop confidence in your life, that it's a holy thing. Like I said before, it's something that we're supposed to fashion our lives in such a way that we live um, worthy of that calling. Well, stepping into this place, stepping into relationship with Jesus, rather than just a following. Following is amazing. Following is amazing. But in that following, we are supposed to be maturing. We're supposed to be growing. We're supposed to be learning all of these lessons so that when he steps us, it brings us into the next portion of our calling, we are stepping in equipped. The word tells us that he calls, uh, equips those that he calls. And so that equipping that's going on right here should take us forward into this. See, there's a relationship. There's a relationship that causes us to be a follower. And there's a relationship that brings us into friendship, brings us into deeper relationship, knowing him. When you have a friend, you know that friend better than you know an acquaintance. I mean, it's, it's so simple and it's so easy. But here's something beautiful that the Lord showed me. And I just I grabbed hold of this because, like I said, I was falling and I was making a mess of things in my life. When Peter answered the Lord back in the beginning of this scripture, when it says immediately he dropped his nets, and followed Christ immediately. There are so many time frames used in the word. There are so many words that can be used for passage of time and everything it says. Immediately, Peter dropped his nets. The word used there is euthios, and it means without hesitation. Like just as quickly as you could possibly get there, no hesitation in your move. Well, what's beautiful to me is that when Peter begins to sink beneath the waves, he cries out to the Lord and the scripture tells us, Euthios, Jesus reached out and grabbed him immediately without hesitation. Jesus responded to Peter in the exact same way that Peter had responded to Jesus so long ago. This makes me, uh, brings to mind the scripture that says, in the same measure that you deal, it will be dealt to you. God's response to you is immediate. My prayer is that our response to him would be immediate. There are some in this room today who need to answer the first call. There are some in this room today that need to make the decision to become a follower of Christ, to to drop your nets. You're trying to follow him, but man, those nets are getting heavy because you're trying to drag them with you. And maybe, just maybe, today would be the day that you would hear him call you if the worship team will come out. Today might be that day where you make the decision to drop your nets. That thing that separates you from following him, keeps you from following him fully. Or you may be someone who has followed him and you've wanted more in your relationship with him. You've wanted him to define your calling and clarify what it is he has created you to do. Today may be the day that you step out of the boat and look at him and say, Father, Jesus, bid me come to you. Erkomai, time to step forward time to be established. It's time to find your place of influence through and in Him. Father, I thank you for your word and your truth. 
I thank you that it is the life changer. I thank you that your truth, Father, is what establishes us. It's your truth that draws us, Father. I pray, Father, for every single person in this room today, Lord. I know you are calling. Some need you to to redefine for them that that you've called them to do, Father, that you've designed them to do. Awaken that within them, Father God. Fan to flame, Father, those embers of a dream they once had. Father, for those who need to, to drop some things, to drop some nets and follow you, clarify that for them. But, Father, I'm asking today that you be relentless in your pursuit of every heart in this space. Trust you, Father. In Jesus' name. Would those who are going to administer the elements come forward? See, 2020 is not about another year to go. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What if we just made 2020 about finding out what it is God designed you to do? What if you begin to walk in His calling for your life? What if you begin to use the gifts and the anointing that He's placed on you? He's given you a time to rest. He's let you sit with those things for a long time. But it just might be the year to move.